0: I'm Craig Beaumont Flynn. Welcome to Beyond the Design, a show that gives you a peek behind the curtain of the design industry and shares the stories of those that are the driving force behind it. Uh, welcome to Beyond the Design. And today we have Mark Jupiter. Welcome to the show, Mark.
1: Thanks, Craig. It's good
0: to be uh, here. Great. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Busy
1: as ever, running around
0: making stuff. There you go. Well, tell us a little bit
1: today, which was exciting. I usually, you know, I I work and live in Dumbo, like I was telling you, so it's always nice to to get out. I had to do a little quick meeting.
0: So, why don't you tell us a little bit of what you do and about yourself and uh, how you create what you create? Yeah, well, you know, I, um,
1: I come from many generations of crafts people um, here in the city, um, so I've been an artist and a creator my my whole life. Um, you know, my father was a was a sort of a hobbyist as a furniture maker, but a general contractor, a tradesperson. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I always I was sort of his indentured servant for the first twenty years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of got up to speed and what hard work meant and what. You know, executing on design really meant, uh, my mother was a great uh, designer, interior designer. She started out in the handbag industry. Um, but um, long story short, and, and really long story short, uh, my first endeavor into building for myself um, was in the form of a house. Mm. That, um, you know, No one in my family history had, had ever built a house before because it was all in New York City. Right. You know, for for 150 years or so, so it was all interiors work. Um, my great grandfather was a house flipper, so he would <laughs> buy old farm houses and restore them and, and and sell them out in the Rockaways. So that was the closest anybody came to building a house. So I thought, you know, that's where I'm going to make my mark. And um, I taught myself how to build a house. Essentially, I, I bought home building for dummies, literally, <laughs> <laughs> you know, come to cover and, um, sold all my earthly possessions, uh, bought 14 acres of land up in the mountains and, uh, uh, taught myself AutoCAD and designed my first fairly over the top home. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it only lived on, on paper until I actually started construction. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, I got over the shock of how big this house actually was, but um, I loved it. And I, and I built it as an artist would build a house, right? right. So it was it was quite uh, sculptural and, um, you know, the authenticity of it all was very important to me. And so I, I, it was all an authentic timber frame and the timbers I took off the land, so on and so forth. Um, did that for about a decade and then just got tired of building houses for people and talking about grout color and, you know, just all <laughs> the millions of pieces that go in the home right. and wanted to, um, get back to my roots of craft and, uh, the beauty and simplicity of just building beautiful individual pieces of furniture. Um, where I could really dictate the design and the direction uh, as opposed to someone hiring me to build their home for them where it was mostly orchestrated by them, a little bit of input. So um, I had a, my shop up in the mountains and I got married had a kid and we needed to not have me up in the mountains so much. And so <laughs> I came down and my wife promised me that she would find me a little wood shop somewhere in Brooklyn to where I could, you know, dabble around a little bit. I hadn't really committed to starting a furniture company yet. Right. I was still, I had my home building business and, um, you know, she was incredible. She, she put an ad on this Dumbo family listserv, like a Yahoo chat group and asked if anybody in Dumbo had some woodshop space. And, um, which I thought wasn't the greatest strategy to finding woodshop space, but um, literally like 30 seconds after she posted it, someone wrote back, like writing, we do with like a hundred exclamation points after it. So so of course I called them and it was this, building supply company like this warehouse in Dumbo and Dumbo was still sort of scrappy back then. Right. And um I went and talked to them and they had this sort of fifteen by fifteen portion of their warehouse that was sort of like a wood shop that they just never used. And they said for like seven hundred and fifty bucks a month I could rent it and just do whatever I wanted to in it. And so I was thrilled because it was a half a block away from my home. And I, we, we shook hands and a week before I was going to move in, um, they uh, gave up their lease. They went out of
0: business. Oh, geez.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I was kind of heartbroken. I brought all my tools down from my, my shop up in the mountains and I had nothing to do. And then, then I thought, well, it was a pretty big space. It's probably too expensive, but let me talk to the landlord and just see what's what with, with leasing that space. And, uh, you know, it was definitely too expensive, but um, my wife and I had a long conversation about it, and she was like, you should be doing this uh, while I was transitioning out of home building, and um, I just leased that shop, and that that is still my shop, and um, I, while I was building houses, I closed the garage door and built 12 pieces of furniture, just sort of Scrapping it together it was a lot of reclaimed wood, a lot of slabs that I found, a lot of like abandoned giant chunks of wood, um, plumbing pipe. I got some right. scraps off of the, the Manhattan Bridge, like old connector rods, which were really oh, wow. interesting. And I designed these pieces of furniture around them and opened my door, made a website, you know, put some marketing <laughs> collateral together. and um,
0: You're in business.
1: <laughs> yeah, I in business and it's been it's been gangbusters ever since. And I would say today, if I had to like toot my own horn, which
0: Go ahead. It's all yours.
1: I would say we're probably the, the leading design build furniture shop in, in New York City and, and arguably um, among the best in the in the country.
0: And how long have you had your doors open in doing this? Ten years. It'll be it'll be ten years
1: in, in August.
0: All right. Well, hey, yeah. happy early birthday and congrats! You've hit that nice. mark. Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah. It's been quite a ride.
0: So quite from ride. Hol- from holding building to actually creating uh, woodcraft furniture, what made you go to wood instead of maybe glass or other uh, elements? Oh uh, well, we do all that. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we okay. make furniture in whatever shape, form, and materials that may right. call for. So, right? Yeah, we we do a lot of woodwork, but I have a full metal shop here. We do stone and glass and acrylics and really anything, everything. A lot of upholstery.
0: You're the one-stop shop.
1: Yeah, the one-stop <laughs> shop, and that's sort of the 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 intention of it all. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's not a lot of companies that do what we do, anywhere, anyway, and, you know, quickly I learned in talking to the interior designers that I I first started working with that they would come up with a concept for a piece of furniture and then then it would be up to them to find a wood shop, find a metal shop, talk to the stone vendor, sort of be the ones that were GCing these pieces of furniture, which, if you know about manufacturing, like, that could be a complete disaster. and and it often was for them because they're not furniture makers they're designers and even then as designers you know they don't necessarily know how the parts and pieces go together so you you, I would talk to a lot of them and then they would end up with a wobbly table because (laughs) the metal person wasn't talking to the stone person and the designer you know wasn't really engineering it in terms of weight distribution so I knew really quickly that I had to be the guy that everybody pointed to and that I would design and build the entirety of it all, I know, which, is, which is what I do.
0: So, what portion of your business is derived from your own collection, your own designs versus uh, commission work, working with uh, the industry and designers and things like that?
1: I would say it's 60, 65% my design, 45% inspired by others you know people people come to me when they can't find what they love in the world mm. right and so and even when they have a concept of a design it's not a real piece of furniture yet right so one of the one of the services that i offer is that i am a an accomplished furniture designer so i can take their concept and really You know, enhance that vision not only in how the parts and pieces go together, but really offer feedback in what I think would be uh, what would be an enhancement to to the concept. But but hold true to the intent of what they're they're looking for, but bringing another layer, some more Mm -hmm. depth to it possibly. So it all has a touch of me in it. What's um, that? It all has a touch of me in it. But yeah, you know, sometimes it's. More them than myself, which is wonderful. I love working with talented people, so that those collaborations are amazing. And then sometimes it's just um, we're looking at a blank piece of paper and just talking about materials and shapes and forms. And then I tell them how much that's going to cost based on a very sort of a vague idea or direction. Mm. And then they, they hire me for the project, and that can be. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I know. So you actually bring it to life. You bring their vision, in con- combination with your vision, to life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes it's just me designing them. A, right. A, a new piece of furniture, something that's just uniquely theirs that I that I come up with.
0: Is there a material that you prefer to work with versus one that's a little bit more problematic? N- no. You know, no? for me,
1: I I have a high risk tolerance.
0: <laughs> you know, good. So like the
1: mysteries of it all are, are really exciting to me and um, exploring new materials and things that are challenging uh, really are, are part of what get me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for people that know my work and you see like the scale of some of the things I do, like, you know, the more e- extreme, the, the, the better, you know, I, I, I'm a sculptor in my heart, so you know things for me personally. If I'm making something myself and not um, other members of my team, I I like to to work with woods and, and metals, combining them. Um, you know, when I first started the company, I did everything right. So I I was the the, the metal worker and and the woodworker, and, and then
0: you wore all the hats.
1: Designer, yeah. <laughs> But I like carving. I like carving wood a great deal. Like hand
0: mm-hmm. carving wood. Is there a uh, distinct Mark Jupiter aesthetic? I
1: guess so. I mean, you would have to tell me what that is. I, I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be a New Yorker, so I would imagine like like there's definitely a direction towards the elegant industrial but you know many of the pieces that i've done are are not that at all they're just Mm. quite refined and flowing and you know I, i i maybe at some point down the road you know people will be able to look at something and recognize it as my work but right now i don't even i don't care about that like i i really just want to uh Please my clients bring new beautiful things to life, and you know if I don't really focus on a design direction, I just mm. sort of focus on the feel of of the project and and my client and what we're all trying to achieve together.
0: So when you start creating, do you still go to AutoCAD? Are you a hand hand drawing person that creates first on pen to paper, pencil to paper, and then uh, yeah. Kind of well, like, way. Now I have a great
1: design staff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm a 3D guy. Like I'm right. not a good drawer. Like I can't draw work to save my life. I can draw to maybe convey an idea right. um, to a person that's much more skilled in, in drafting it out than I am. Um, but I started, when I started my company, I just downloaded SketchUp.
0: Right. Oh, okay. Which was, which was free at the time,
1: um, and and taught myself SketchUp enough to translate ideas uh, to my clients, and and you'll see that a lot of the pieces in my early work when I started the company were rectilinear, like it was all right angles
0: because that's right. all I draw. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't
1: draw curves or conical shapes because I just didn't know how to do it in right. SketchUp. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So, I, I, but now, thank God, um, I have a, a, a staff of uh, three very talented people that, that help me out there.
0: <laughs> they can do the curves for you. <laughs> they
1: can do the curves for
0: me, yeah. So how do you choose um, pieces within your own collection? What do you mean? Well, when you start designing, do you say, okay, well, I want this piece to be uh, a Mark Jupiter piece. Oh, part of the permanent collection? collection? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess so. When something is like, wow, that's a legitimately beautiful piece of furniture. Like I'd say, let's make one of those for the showroom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, or, uh, you know, make sure that we photograph that well after, after construction. Um, you know, I, I, I touch everything that we make. Uh, so I'm very much on top of what comes out of our shop and yeah, you know, Many, many times a year, there are things that we design that um, just strike me as, as special. And mm-hmm. we just make that part of the permanent collection.
0: So what is the internal process of your thoughts, your your ideas, and working with your team? What's the actual steps of that process in creating and launching a piece in your permanent collection?
1: Um, well. We're always busy, right? So right. at any given time, I have between 130 and 170 different pieces of furniture that we're developing and making. Wow. So it's, very, it's, it's just always moving.
0: That's a little bit more than a handful. Yeah, <laughs> so it's rare that I have
1: time to stop and say, okay, today I'm going to design something for no right. reason. Right, except because I want to. Like, I, there's zero time for that. So I guess it always starts with the client, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's corporate or residential, it starts with a good conversation and understanding of who I'm designing for. Um, and I've designed for some of the largest companies in the world or you know, a family that lives down the block. And right. I approach it exactly the same way. I meet with them. We talk about what turns them on, what kind of materials that they like. This might be the interior designer also that's translating um, the the, the client's desires. Um, But we'll have a a great conversation about the possibilities of what we can do. Um, Of course, talk a little bit about budget and keeping those things in line because it's easy to design in a bubble.
0: Right. Right. right?
1: You can make the most beautiful thing in the world. And then you tell them how much it's going to cost. And it's like, are you, what are you talking
0: about? Yeah.
1: Right. So I always have those conversations very early in the conversation. And, um, and then, um, after that, I can give them a sense of what the budget will be, what the price of that project will be. Mm-hmm. And before I put pen to paper, uh, they hire me. Um, in the beginning, that was a harder step to overcome, right? Because the thing doesn't exist yet. And a lot of people want to say, well, what am I, what am I buying? Exactly. Um, but now I've done so much work and people can come to my showroom and see the quality of my work that they trust that what comes out of the process Mm -hmm. will be special and unique to them and what they, what they want. So they hire me, they pay me a deposit on the project as a whole. You know, and this could be a 200-unit conferencing center collection or a single coffee table. And um, then uh, myself and my team will meet and just start exploring possibilities. And I'll I'll give them thoughts on shape and form. And um, they'll go off and, and come back to me with, with first drafts or if I really like fundamentally have a vision in my head of what it's going to be, I'll go back to my software, SketchUp, which is still the only software <laughs> I know how to use. I, I long forgot how to use AutoCAD. I guess I could, I could remember, but um, I'm able to do more now. Right, right. Uh, and come up with uh, enough to be able to show my designers from there what, what I think it will be. And those, those days for me are, are wonderful. Like
0: mm-hmm. I, I, I really love uh, connecting to a, a,
1: a vision that I have. Like I see it, I see, I see the shape of it. I see the finish of it. I see how it's going to be made. Um, and, and then the rest is sort of easy, right? Then you just have to go through the steps of, of actualizing it, um, but it's it's really always nice when like, you have a solid vision in your head of what right. is just going to be really special.
0: Right. Yeah. That creative freedom of uh, bringing it all together and seeing it kind of form together and yeah. be built. And then, and
1: then I, I, I draft it up, present the first draft to the client. Um, and then, you know, and, and a lot of the times it'll be two or three different concepts Um which could be completely different from one another. Mm-hmm. And then and that was one of them almost all the time will strike a chord because we've had a great conversation, so I know the direction. So it's not out of left field. Um and then we'll define refine it a bit more as a result of that first um draft viewing. Uh and then typically within the second time, maybe the third time, we'll nail it, they'll approve it. During that time, I'll sample the uh, materials we're going to use. So if if it's a natural walnut or an antique bronze or or whatever, I'll make that sample, physical sample, to send them during the design process uh, so they can really hold what these materials are and what they look like, take it in their office or in their apartment or restaurant or hotel room, whatever, um, and then literally sign off on it. Um, as they need to do the final drawings um, after so, the race.
0: So you work in a various uh, sectors from residential to hospitality to commercial, all sectors yeah. of the industry?
1: All, all sectors. Anybody that needs a piece of furniture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that uh, works, um, yeah. yeah. That's a good business yeah. plan.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a, definitely on the higher end of things, right? right. So, like, if a hotel needs 1,000 dressers, like, I'm, we're not the company. Right. You know, we, but if they need a, you know, if they're, if they're redecorating the presidential suites, right. I do a lot of that, like the special rooms of the hotel or uh, a lobby piece or, you know, meeting tables Mm -hmm. places that need to make an impact and show that that brand loves their guests as opposed to just furnishing a room with functional things, um, that's where, that's where I come in. And I recently more and more in hospitality, which has been
0: exciting. It's, that's fantastic. Yeah, hospitality is definitely a, a good sector to be in. Are you um, working across the country or just mainly in the northeast?
1: No, all over.
0: That's fantastic.
1: California, Colorado, Texas, Florida, um, up in Canada. Yeah, everywhere. Not a lot overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, we've delivered for sure to you know Europe, Japan a couple times, but not not a lot yet.
0: Is there one piece that you can think of that is your baby that you're the, like the most proud of, or is every piece that you touch your baby? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess the answer to both of them is
0: yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they all they all are. You know, I I, I actually I have. I have one piece that's literally named after my baby um, called the daisy. Ah. Um, And we, we make a lot of them and I make all of them personally. And, um, you know, it started, I designed this piece for our new family when my daughter, my daughter is an amazing artist herself, but she's a, crazy person, you know, when she was very young, she like, she she was destined to really hurt herself on the coffee table, you know, like if it had sharp corners. So my wife was like, you need to make us a coffee table that doesn't have sharp corners because she's going to impale herself. Uh, So we, uh, so I made, I had this big chunk of wood and I made it look like a giant bar of soap, essentially, just Mm -hmm. like rounded everything. And um, people loved it. Like they loved it. But I couldn't find giant blocks of wood like that anymore. It was a very rare piece of right. home. It just happened to be sitting in the back of some lumberyard. Hmm. Um, so now I make them out of a uh, couple hundred pieces of wood milled up and laminated together to form a giant chunk of wood. And then I carve all the corners to it. And then have been, um, just as a, sort of a trademark of the pieces, uh, I, I always put, it's hollow, uh-huh. so I always put a, uh, a piece of my daughter's artwork, sort of entombed oh, really? in, each, in each of those pieces, yeah. But don't, <laughs> don't tell
0: anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you yeah. don't really tell anybody that. It's a, it's a secret. It's
1: meaningful. <laughs> I think it's kind of neat, you know? Absolutely.
0: Kind of like a time yeah. capsule and a little surprise, like a little jewel box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, so I guess
1: that's my favorite piece because of that story.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But they're all, they're all, like you, like we make very fine things, right? And like, I, in order to do it, you have to form an emotional connection to them. Mm-hmm. Like I, these things are a reflection of, who we are as a company, right? Every single piece mm-hmm. goes out into the world and gets looked at and judged and admires or criticized. And so, you know, I I I, I feel for them and they, they, they are extensions of myself and, and the other people that work here. And so we we make sure that they're they're as perfect as they can be, knowing that there's no such thing as perfection. Uh, so that emotional Whole, I think, gives everything an equality to a certain extent.
0: So, since you work with uh, cross platform of various types of materials, is any material easier for you to work with and create and kind of uh, display what <laughs> your vision is?
1: <laughs> there is no easy. No. No. <laughs> no. no, no. Like just earlier today, we were milling up what should have been a fairly easy piece of walnut, right? We we, were, we had to cut the live edge off of this large slab and mill that piece of live edge to hit a certain dimension. And, you know, it had a cup to it. So by the time we were milling it, you know, one end was becoming too thin and the other, the center of it was too thick. And, You know, what should have been rather easy was starting to turn into a nightmare. And, Mm. uh, you know, there weren't don't have, you know, extra of these of these kinds of pieces. You got to sort of like one shot. You got to get it right. So we caught it in time and and fixed it. But, you know, there's nothing easy about any of this.
0: (laughs) Is there any material that you're not working with that you want to bring into your studio at some point?
1: No, I think we work with pretty everything. much everything. Yeah, you know, casting. I would like to, to have a forge hmm. at some point and cast metals. That'd be um, we have a little one so I can melt like pewter and, and cast that. But, um, you know, I, I'd like to make big castings. I just don't know if we could get away with it so much here in the middle of a residential neighborhood.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Might be a little problematic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you you think you... seconds (laughs) thing's on (laughs) fire. Oops. Is there any... Do you feel like you take challenges or risk in creating some of your pieces?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I, uh, you know, I think that's, that's one of the things that's probably helped accelerate our growth is taking on, is taking on jobs that, you know, we probably shouldn't have given our, <laughs> the size of our and in-house capabilities at that time. Um, but I've made so many things in my life and home building taught me a lot of this, that, you know, the, 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 when faced with what seems problematic or impossible or highly challenging that, you know, if you really put your mind to it and, and sit down and, and focus on what those problems may be that you can really get to the other end of, of everything and that anything is fixable like anything I, i've had to i've had to move a house one you know like the entire house was right. too close to a property line and, you know i had to move the house right so when you when you've done something like that you you feel like you
0: can you can do, you can do anything. anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I've designed
1: some incredibly challenging pieces or just have taken on a scope that is quite large. Um, and these are the projects that I, though scary and mm. keep me up at night and have me really like keeping my a game on for months at a time, um, are the most exciting for, for us as a company. Uh, and you know, incredibly fulfilling once they're executed. And and those projects, not that I'm, I'm, I'm cursing myself, right? I'm jinxing myself now as I say all of this, but like, those projects are really fulfilling. Like when you deliver, you know, I, I delivered one, uh, I did, the, I had this massive job job over in, in Hudson Yards, and we were making, Probably 250 pieces of furniture all in all and we were we had to make uh one of the pieces was this 40 foot long conference table boardroom table for mm-hmm. probably the most notorious largest um private investment company in, in the world right so and 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 the, the owner of this company was the one like dictating design and <laughs> He had fired four other companies before hiring mine. He finally, you know, they came to me and I was able to convince this person, like, I'm I'm the guy. Right. I'm going to make this boardroom come to life for you. This is who I think you are. This is what I think you want. And he was like, yep, yep, great, good, go, <laughs> cool. And, um, it, it, of course, he selected a marble that was from only one quarry in the world, in Spain, um, and I designed the table. We knew we had to get this marble, and then the, the pandemic hit.
0: Oh, wow. Right?
1: And so this is the, the design was 40 feet of marble, so 12 perfectly bookmatched slabs all the way down the top, surrounded by, and this was part of the crazy part, surrounded by three inches of a solid walnut frame, right? So marble is static material, walnut right. is not, right? It has right. life to it, it wants to breathe. But we had to maintain a 16th of an inch tolerance between the walnut and the marble. And then under the table, the apron that held all the power mm-hmm. was also solid marble.
0: Oh, geez. Right,
1: and, like <laughs> a solid marble apron, like who does that? Like, no, I've <laughs> never seen that. I came up with that idea and then I was like, why? <laughs> Yourself. Show them that. <laughs> right? It's like it's crazy, but then the pandemic hit, but their timeline didn't change. And these guys don't mess around. Right? So, okay. Shut down for two and a half months. Uh, but so we were going to go to Spain, which you would typically do when you're ordering. This is just one of the tables. There were right. 25 other marble tables that you were using this marble. So we would typically get on a plane, go to Spain, inspect the slabs, make sure they're all good, that they're not flawed, that they look like the, the high-res pictures that they received and that they're gonna book match perfectly together. So we couldn't do any of that because there was nobody flying right, anywhere, right. right? Spain, our country, the country, the world was literally closed in. So, uh, so this 400-year-old quarry, everybody wanted the business, right? So we were like, listen, The only way we can make this order is if you do a digital scan of every one of these slabs and send them to us. And like when I was talking to the the guy, first of all, we needed a translator because I didn't speak Spanish. I speak a little Spanish, but not really well enough to get the nuance of what I needed. (laughs) And nor did he speak English. And so to this translation, like I literally saw this person's face explode, right? Like when I was saying digital scan of a hundred slabs, you know, but to their credit, uh, they did it. Like They bought the equipment, they scanned these slabs one at a time, good enough for me to feel okay about sending it to the client saying, these are the slabs, this is as good as it's going to get in terms of our our, our review of them, and they look pretty good to me. <laughs> I can do my layouts from the scan, because it was high-res enough, and they're gonna book match the way we need to. And so, you know, the architectural design firm, the client, and myself, the office furniture dealer, we all signed off on it, and um, we were able to get them on a boat and come over here and, um, yeah, that all worked out. Uh, I, I couldn't have been, it couldn't have been better. Couldn't have worked out better. I'll send you pictures of the final yeah, product. Yeah,
0: absolutely, love like to see the, it.
1: The marble was stunning, the pieces, you know, there were big cantilevers, they were stable, there wasn't any deflection, that 16th of an inch tolerance was intact. Um,
0: so, so is it something it you wild. want to do again?
1: <laughs>
0: Definitely, yes, <Yeah. laughs> yes, yes. Now you, now you got it down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Once you do it, you know, you just do it again. That's
0: right. You learn that's- so many
1: lessons. You know, the trick is, you know, when you're when, when you're making all these things, you have all these balls up in the air, right? The trick is not to let any of them drop, mm-hmm. right? And just see the problems before that they before they happen, so you can think through them before you're faced with them in right. real time. You know, of course, a bunch sneak through, and you do have to in real time so problem solve, but that's kind of the secret. Um, so the second time you do
0: it, you just do it better. Uh, so has, has there any, has there ever been a time when you started creating something? Let's say you're starting to create a table and it ends up as a, a chair <laughs> just because it wasn't working as a table. <laughs> I know off the, off the wall question, but it happens. Sure. Yes.
1: <laughs> Making this table. Like be a better chair. Um, no, no. You know, a couple of, couple of times I've I've designed something and it, it turned out to be like a perpetual motion machine, you know, where you, you sort of, uh, you don't really realize how much flex a half an inch of steel really can have over a certain span.
0: Correct, yeah. And you
1: think it's going to be stiff enough and then it turns out, like, you just poke it and it's just going to be, um, it's just going to be, like... <laughs> An energy-producing piece of furniture. If you attach the right cables to it, right? You know, yeah. That that's happened on that a couple projects. But but again, like knowing like you can fix anything, you just sort of have to solve that problem. Talk to the client. Be real straightforward. Tell them you, you
0: screwed it up and, <laughs> and uh, stand behind your work. Absolutely. Yeah. So. From your own collection, how's it divvied up versus you know tables, furniture pieces, sitting things like that? What's the uh, the quantity of what your own personal collection is?
1: You know, I, I I would imagine, you know, being that the we we mostly make special things. I would say for in 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 homes, the dining room table is a very special part mm-hmm. to people's homes so we make a lot of great dining room tables so that that i would say there there's more of those than anything else um second to that would be uh you know storage cabinets credenzas within the dining room Mm -hmm. that work with the dining table right um yeah but you know again like what i like most and what we're doing more and more of are designing multiple pieces for projects, mm-hmm. you know, to, which is exciting because then you can really start to skew the whole look of the project, right? Like I, I we just um, were awarded this really amazing lakefront home up in Maine. I think it's like a twenty thousand square foot. Home, just like this great wow. field stone house next to this lake, like a real incredibly crafted main home. Oh, like the flooring is all end grain. Oh, wow. Right? Like crazy, like, like individually cut end grain wow. hard time, um, which is beautiful and a really bold, scary choice as a flooring material, but they're they're doing it. Um, and so, you know, in seeing that when I first saw the portfolio and like their renderings and things, uh, you know, I knew that they were looking for authenticity and everything to be finely crafted. And, you know, they, they mostly picked things from my existing portfolio, which is, which is nice, I I guess, because it's it's sort of a, uh, you know, uh, what do you say? Like an accolade towards towards your existing work,
0: correct? Right, uh,
1: which is nice, um, and then a couple of new designs. But like all, you could start to see the continuity when you ask me, like, do I have a design style? Like when they're next to one another and within within the same space, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I would say that there's definitely a feel that that has a through line to it, a consistency.
0: So it's it's a common language between your pieces when you start doing stuff like that. I guess.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which is great. And I don't always think about that, you know, because I think of them so much as individual pieces and I don't, I don't design a portfolio. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have a fall collection or, you know, like a new package of designs. It's really, they come out one at a time. So they're, you know, depending on what I'm feeling and thinking um, and what the collective unconscious is saying, right? Like you talk to a lot of designers, there always is, you know, people call it a, call it a trend. Correct. Right. But, but, but the trend, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, philosophically and scientifically, like how that emerges,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but like, you know, it, it definitely feels like a communicative unconscious in design that yeah. sort of comes to the surface out of, out of whatever, right? you know, like, World experiences or, or 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 global events, pandemics. You know, where where sheen levels are falling, where colors are going, where shapes mm-hmm. are emerging. You know, it all. You know, I live in a bubble here, and I don't. I don't look at trade magazines. I I couldn't really name too many other furniture designers. I don't. It's not my thing. I don't right. really spend time doing that. I look at a lot of Instagram, I
0: guess,
1: (laughs) Um, but, but yet I'll start, my designs will start to skew towards a collective in terms of what, what it's just, it's, it's interesting how that, how that all happens. So, so my work becomes a reflection of that a bit, a reflection of what's purely myself Reflection of my direct settings, my my wife telling me what she likes, a lot
0: of the times. You know, sometimes <laughs>
1: she'll say, that doesn't work at all. Like, don't do that
0: You're crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also, she's interesting. I mean, she's always, she's been a great sort of uh, collaborator in conceptualizing, not only designs, but in the, the path of the business. You know, when you have a really... A true partner in mm. your life, right? Mm. Whether it's a friend or a spouse or sister or brother, parent, colleague, whatever right. that you can really uh, that you trust, uh, you know. That I think that, that 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 helps a lot, in building confidence, giving
0: and direction, and so on and so forth. So, I would assume that she's your motivator. But what motivates you in your creation? What
1: you know, I, I just ever since I was born, I just had a, a desire to make beautiful things mm-hmm. like beautiful and rogue at the same time. You know, as far back as I can remember, you know, in kindergarten, like there, the, the art teacher would give the students a, an assignment and I would just ignore it <laughs> and, and make what I wanted to. And and and, and it would and I there was it was praise mm-hmm. that came back to me, you know, or some kind of like, well, good, good for you. <laughs> you know, you didn't listen at all to what we said, but like this, the actual, the results were meaningful. And so I, I, just, um, I've just always, I've always been, I've always been like that just creating what's in my head and from a guttural connection to what I think is the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, Truly enjoying uh, making it flesh, you know, bringing it to world, and then listening to the accidents that happen along the way, right? There's yeah. there's a there's a, a Japanese saying. I'm not going to say because I don't really remember, but it's called it's it's uh, translated. It sort of means happy accident,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Where like the things that just happen if you listen to them and 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 find the opportunity like that the direction that that accident will take can often be an enhancement you know and really offer something that was just that's out of the box that wasn't predicted that wasn't seen but is truly organic and 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 made and made special Um, so that's part of the work that's part of the work also, as opposed to fighting against that, which mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. I mean, any person will tell you that that's not possible.
0: So as a creative visionary, what are your goals as a business owner?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I'm an ambitious guy. Um, I love forward motion. Um, it's a little conflicting to me. I, if, if I was just going, you know what I mean? And I had all the money in the world, I would build the ultimate furniture shop, you know, that had all, everything that I wanted, that had enough space that I needed and I would just keep doing what I'm doing on a larger scale. And mm-hmm. I mean, that does seem to be the trajectory of what we're doing like every year. Our revenue grows, our client list grows, we we're growing. I need that new shop and that unlimited financing. You don't always it's up at the same time. Um, and then there's the other side of me going, well, you know, what is enough? What's big enough? You know, do you need more? Is more a real thing or is it just like ambition, ego? You know, maybe you should just, maybe I, I think to myself, maybe I should just be the artisan that I am and, and, and stay in this little special place in Dumbo that we've all right. created here, you know, or, or, or bust out. I'm, we're sort of at that, at that point to figure out what's, what's next. It's, it's the what's next conversation is always incredibly exciting for mm-hmm. me. So whatever form that takes, like the next challenging project. The next space that we move into, the next chapter of this career path, you know, uh, I've been a a big fan of reinvention my whole life. I've done it a few times and it's always been a wonderful moment. You know, I've been around the block and, you know, my furniture company's only 10 years old, but when I started my furniture company that I reinvented myself, like it wasn't wasn't something I had ever thought I would be doing. Uh, And so I I hope to do that again with the through line of what we've built here. Mm -hmm. It's it's quite quite special.
0: So you have your own showroom in Dumbo. Are you represented anywhere else that people can actually go and touch and feel and see your uh, creative work at hand? No. No?
1: No. You know, except with my clients – I, I did recently fly out to San Francisco um, and meet with a showroom owner out there. I don't really want to disclose what that is at the moment because um, it's not...
0: Well, no worries. It seems
1: like pretty, pretty put together but it's a, a very reputable showroom um, and so we're seeing if we can make that work. You know... He, typically with sales you're either doing a showroom model right. or, or just your own internal sales force right and date, we've just been our own internal sales force with our own showroom and a good online presence mm-hmm. and that's been enough to bring in new business so when you start doing showrooms it gets tricky because the pricing has to stay consistent correct right but it's over in San Francisco. So <laughs> maybe not, not. Doesn't have to be so consistent. Uh, so, so we'll see. I, I mean, I'm interested to try that out. See how that works.
0: Yeah, like you said, it could be a, another road, another direction. And yeah,
1: yeah. I just I I, I never want to have to dummy it down, right, you know, right. in order to hit a price point. I just it's not what I'm doing. It's not what I what I want to do.
0: Well, besides that, what's the next steps for Mark Jupiter? You know, just keep
1: keep designing, keep taking on new interesting projects, um, more and more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, more than likely, find a great new shop here in Brooklyn, maybe Queens. I'm sort of committed to New York City. Right. I was born and raised here. My wife was born and raised here. You know, generations of our family. Um, I've lived here, and um, you know, I think, I think it's short-sighted to leave just for the sake of uh, lower rent and less expensive labor. Right. You know, I got, I don't buy it. I might be <laughs> an idiot, but I don't I don't buy it. I think New York, staying in New York. Will, will surpass the expenditure of all
0: of that. Right, right. So yeah. has there been something that you just haven't had the chance to create or no one's asked you to create and you really want to? Yeah, no one's
1: asked me to build an, a house for him again.
0: <laughs> yet. Yeah, yeah. Right, sort of yeah. left home building and I did some
1: cool stuff with houses. Mm-hmm. You know? like, I, I really, I, I really enjoyed a lot of elements of all of that. Um, And I thought for sure someone would know that about my past and go, hey, how about build our second home for us? You build furniture, I get it. But what about designing and building our our home, our second home? Because I wouldn't want to build their first home. You know what I mean? A a nice little secondary cottage somewhere. I thought for sure someone would ask me to do that for them.
0: They haven't. Hey, it could be a Uh, turnkey, house and furniture and everything. They could just... Open the doors and right? Right, move right in. Right, right. Yeah, so that's, maybe
1: that's part of what's next. Yeah. I mean, I've been I, I miss building houses. I, I really enjoyed a lot of that. You know, working outdoors, like building. Right. Like, I'm still, uh, I still work. You know, I was born for hard labor. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why, but I just really like hard labor. So, you know, building a house doesn't get. Much harder than that, you know, putting in footings, building foundation walls, framing a house, putting on a roof, building a deck. <clears throat> it's just all great, you know. It's all outdoors, rain, snow. Wind.
0: <laughs> all the it's elements. Such, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just like it. It's gritty. It uh-huh. be dirty and not have to worry about it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I asked what motivates you. Are there anything that actually Influence you As a creative
1: Other creative people Yeah, In whatever shape or form they come You know People of of, of vision and talent Like I have talent I have some talent But there's some people that I come in contact with That are just Like they are on another level Like they have just like For them to create Beauty just seems like it just oozes from their body. Like they just have a vision all the time, whereas you know, a lot of us really struggle to find it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, working, working with those types of people uh, on an ongoing basis uh, is really exciting for me, and I, I, I enjoy that. Company. People that are smarter and more talented than myself.
0: Well, from what I've seen in your work I think you're pretty talented, Mister. <laughs>
1: That's great. It's nice of you. But 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 definitely there's there's others out there that are just you know, really quite special.
0: So when you look at a piece of raw wood or a piece of stone, do you see what's underneath come to life? Of what yeah. it can be? Yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do. I yeah. Um, you know that that's where the art of it all comes in, right? Like mm-hmm. gluing up a tabletop. You know, you look, it's an art. It's a craft.
0: Yeah,
1: I would say it's a craft and not an, an art. Correct. Yeah. Like the art of it is is seeing the grain and envisioning how they really flow together and, and understanding that you know beyond the craft that other layer has real meaning mm-hmm. uh, to the overall outcome of the piece um, so I, yeah I think I have a, a good ability for that is to is to see things before they're made and uh, uh, trust it trust that you know I always I don't, I don't have a I don't have a CNC I don't do anything it's all very fundamental um, work so and 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 I think of that every time I'm about to, like I'll I'll carve a four-inch radius, ten feet long on a single block of wood. You know, four-inch radius and keep it consistent. Right. And I'll do that. I'll do that with an angle grinder. You know. And so every time, and I know it has to be consistent because you look down that ten-foot line right. and you'll see any inconsistency in that carving. Right. Right. And right. there can't be that. Nor and and when you run your hand across it can't feed it with a with a with a with a cnc like it's always perfect like you don't have to worry about it you push it you walk away like yeah. whatever i don't have that nor do i know if i necessarily want one uh but every time i pick up that angle grinder i'm like am i going to be able to do this like am i going to screw this up i only <laughs> have one shot like it's all glued together and then i tell myself just like just you've been down this road <laughs> a lot, you know, just trust. Just trust. And uh then I so I give it all away, you know, I give it to God, I guess, right? And you just sort of you just trust your, your heart mm-hmm. and your eye and your feel and all you let all the senses sort of take over and then it it works out. Works out.
0: yeah, It's a mystery but it all works out. <laughs> yeah yeah it is a bit of a mystery well sir is there anything else you'd like to share with us um you
1: know I I, not really you know I I would say to the rest of the people other people that are are looking into to doing this kind of work or that are are aspiring you know that um, you know a lot of the times the secret of it all is just hard work mm-hmm. and, and staying committed and doing something every day to push your self forward and um, take risks and trust, um, trust your gut and, um, and then the, the universe and the things that are around us that protect us, and I do believe in those things, um, come into play mm-hmm. and, and push you through. Absolutely. I'm blessed to also have love in my life, right? So that, that that helps with that confidence as well, and and great, great partners, right? I have uh, Matt Mullen has been my partner for almost ten years. Um, he was just a kid when I met him, uh, with an amazing work ethic, and drive, and and like the most trusting person I've ever met in my life, and the greatest business decision I've ever made in my life to make him a part of the company. Um, so finding those people to, to take a journey with, and then all, all of the craftspeople that, that work here with me that are in the back office, designers, um, people that assist in the day-to-day operations of project managers and, and the craftspeople. like to, to to make a career of craft in New York City is not the greatest choice in the world or the easiest
0: probably. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's it's not
1: to find the right fit to get paid the right amount, you know? And so they commit to me and the company and I, I commit back to them and I, I do my best to make sure that they have a, a a wage that makes their life livable and enjoyable here in one of the most expensive cities in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know it goes it all goes both ways you know i love uh teaching people and mentoring and guiding i'm 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 a bit of an asshole in a lot of ways but like um you know true to my the to the people that work with me mm-hmm. um, and stay committed to them as long as they are committed to to what they're doing and they and they all are so I guess I should shout out to all of them is how I'd like to close all oh. of this. Well, that's the people that I get to work with every day.
0: That's fantastic. So the most important factor, is your showroom open to the public? No. No. Can come.
1: No. No, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course. yes. Um, it's probably best to make an appointment, um, but it's open It's open, um, nine to five, Mondays through Fridays. I live right around the block, so if someone wants to see it on the weekends, they can always give a call, make an appointment, and I'll come around. I'll definitely, you know, I'll definitely meet with them. But, yeah, people are more than welcome to come on by anytime they want to. And what's great is that, unlike most furniture companies, the showroom is on one side of the street and the shop is on literally across the street. So you get to see both sides of the equation.
0: So you'll and be see, able
1: to come to our showroom and see the things that we make, yeah. and you can cross the street and see us making them.
0: You can see the masters at work. Yeah. Well, Mark.
1: Right, right in the middle of Dumbo, which is you know yeah. just one stop off out of Manhattan on the a- F train, and you're, you're right here. So it's sort of a, you know, I get tour groups that come through here all the time just to see like weird stuff in Brooklyn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations on your forthcoming 10-year anniversary. It's been a pleasure, Mark, to have you on the show, and congrats again to you.
1: Thanks, thanks, and thanks for having me so much. I really uh, enjoy what you're doing here. I've been following you, and uh, keep up the good work.
0: Oh, thank you, sir, and we'll chat soon. Terrific. All right, thanks. Thanks.